Good afternoon, everyone. This is Anthony Pudlow, Vice President of Professional Affairs with the Iowa Pharmacy Association. I'm here today with Sue Mears, uh, Board of Pharmacy Compliance Staff, um, to handle today's uh, Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. After today's uh, open session of the Board of Pharmacy meeting that was held on September 10th uh, here in Des Moines. Sue, it was a great meeting, uh, a lot on the agenda. Um, any general thoughts on it? I mean, it looks like the board meeting went a little bit longer than usual today. Yes. Uh, what was that all about? Yeah, we had a lot more um, action items for the board to take with the electronic prescribing mandate uh, that comes effective January 1. So they had quite a few requests for exemption um, to that mandate. So they had to power through a lot of those requests and um, make a determination if a prescriber or a clinic um, was okay to kind of bypass electronic prescribing for a period of time. Yes, because there's like, if I recall, there's basically six types of exemptions that uh, clinics and providers could apply for or, or yeah, seek, seek yeah. approval by the board. Yeah, so the yeah, if a clinic or a provider, if they feel they have a technological limitation or financial um, limitation or any other exceptional circumstance, mm -hmm. they could apply for an exception uh, to the mandate. So we certainly saw a lot of those. Mm -hmm. And I know we're going to be talking quite a bit about this. Uh, I know we've talked about just getting more information out to pharmacists and help help them understand that, uh, you know, this isn't something that frontline pharmacists are going to have to police and verify that a clinic was uh, approved for an exemption or not. Um, so I know we're, we're planning a little bit. Uh, I think we're going to have a webinar later this fall about that, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, pharmacies will still be able to fill a prescription if it comes in an old-fashioned way after January mm -hmm. 1, and it's not not on the pharmacy to figure out if there's an exemption in place or not. Yeah, and I would just encourage everybody, I know there's a lot of great information on the Board of Pharmacy website about the e-prescribing mandate. So um, if you have any providers that are asking you questions, definitely refer them to the Board of Pharmacy uh, website. All right, well, moving along, um, there was still actually quite a bit on the rules and legislation component of the uh, board's uh, agenda today. I know there was one item for adoption and filing um, that related to Sudafed and, and, and dispensing of Sudafed. Sue, can you tell us a little bit more about that uh, modification to Chapter 10 that came yeah. forward? Yeah, yep. So the board uh, voted to adopt rulemaking um, that amends um, or expands who within the pharmacy is allowed to uh, make the sale of Sudafed. So what the rulemaking will now, um, once it's filed and effective here in a couple of months, um, will allow any pharmacy employee to um, handle a sale of Sudafed. So each you know, pharmacy support person or even a technician trainee would be able to sell Sudafed and that each individual employee will have to have their own login and password. Um, but then each each person could be involved in that uh, the sale of Sudafed. Yeah, because like right now it's just a technician or the pharmacist or intern, intern I guess. Correct. Yep. Um, but still encouraging everybody. Remember, you still have to have a pharmacist looking at uh, a type of consultation yeah. there, an assessment yeah. of need for that uh, Sudafedrin. But uh, yeah, so you're right. The Board of Pharmacy took uh, took approval of this mm -hmm. adoption and filing notice. So we'll yeah. see those rules come effect in a couple, uh, maybe a month or two. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe a month and a half or so. Yeah, I yeah. always, always get confused with that I timing know. on those. Depends on the but, filing. Uh, yeah. Yep. Watch for the communications yeah. from both IP and the board. We'll make yep. sure everybody's aware of when that becomes effective. Um, a couple other things. There's uh, several different items for um, uh, a notice for uh, intended action, meaning that the board's looking to make some changes to the current rules. I know one of them came forward from some di dialogue that I know IPA had been he hearing about and as well as the board that related to expedited partner therapy. Um, 
So for the listeners out there, if you're not too familiar with expedited partner therapy, there was actually legislation from a couple years back that actually allowed, say, a provider or a prescriber to issue uh, prescriptions to an individual, um, not just for the individual, but for their partner or partners for uh, various uh, sexually transmitted diseases like chlamydia and gonorrhea. Um, And there just needed to be some clarification in the board's rules. So Sue, can you maybe explain a little bit more about what the the notice of intended action looks like right now? Yeah, yeah, so the board um, voted to um, publish a notice of intended action that would amend various rules throughout the board's administrative code um, that get to requiring a patient name on a prescription or on a prescription label um, that would provide an exemption for an for um, expedited partner therapy. So essentially then um, a patient being treated for one of the sexually transmitted diseases may have an extra prescription with no name on it or that may say EPT for expedited partner therapy and take that to the pharmacy counter and the pharmacist would be able to fill that prescription um, without knowing who you know, ultimately is going to be taking that medication without the, the true patient's name and just enter it as you know, EPT mm-hmm. or partner or something um, you know, very nondescript. Um, so this would allow pharmacists to mm-hmm. fill those prescriptions without knowing ultimately who the patient is. Yeah, and so I know some pharmacists out there are probably thinking, well, wait a second, how do I understand what med- maybe other medications that patient might be on if we don't know who they are? Um, and that is part of the yep. potential concern, but it, it, I did see in the rules that it looks like the board is um, uh, making sure you're well aware of, yeah, how do you potentially waive that right of counseling to that individual patient and pass that down to their partner instead? So it does look like the board took a really good comprehensive approach there. Well, perfect. So we'll see that go open for public comment and uh, see what kind of feedback um, that comes forward. I know for those listening that our IPA members, our House of Delegates debated that issue about two two or three years ago now. So I know we're um, supportive of the concept and we'll look forward to to reviewing the, the rules in a little bit more detail. Um, Maybe one other area that I know there was a notice of intended action um, related to just more general pharmacy practice in Chapter 6 of the board rules. And it looked like it relates a little bit more, Sue, to uh, maybe um, a transferring prescription or or versus maybe not if you just need a short supply to somebody that might be traveling or whatnot. Can you get a little bit more into what maybe the proposed rule is like and where where did that come from? Yeah, so this proposed um, amendment would allow one pharmacy to give basic prescription information to another pharmacy about a patient's non-controlled prescription Um, for the purpose of that pharmacy just supplying um, up to a three-day supply of that medication to the patient, you know, be it a travel situation um, where it actually originated was from a long-term care pharmacy, um, you know, and and that's very common in long-term care. You get a new admission and you need to um, have a local pharmacy fill a few days um, to get by. Um, So this would kind of ease that burden and allow that information to be transferred or, you know, provided to the other pharmacy to provide medication without it constituting a transfer of the entire prescription. Mm -hmm. I know in my days working behind the counter or when I'm back there behind the counter, I know that is always kind of a difficult process to track. Like we know the person, maybe they are vacationing back to central Iowa. They're from one of the corners of the state and they totally forgot their medication at home. How do we just get them a couple pills till they can get through? So this is also maybe helping in those situations where the pharmacy could in a sense transfer the script, but not fully transfer it, but at least issue. Then worry about transferring it back. And that you yep. took out three pills of that right. ultimate prescription. Yes. 
So it'll be interesting. Um, I encourage everybody, um, this will be a great one to get some feedback um, mm-hmm. from, from the public. Um, and so if you are, again, uh, unaware, um, the state of Iowa allows everybody to submit their own public comments, their own personal comments um, through the website rules.iowa.gov. So I know there's kind of a little short process here in terms of what the board staff has to do with filing these um, these notices of intended action before they go for public comment. But yeah. uh, we should see that up on that website probably in the next couple of weeks and no. um, or even sooner maybe. No. <laughs> maybe a little no. bit longer. Longer, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the the earliest publication I'll make is the first part of October. Oh, okay. Um, so it may be, maybe even maybe a month or so yeah, before you can see it yeah, online. Yeah, show up. There. But yeah, definitely. I know we try um, to push uh, messaging out through IPA communications when these things are available for public comment. So definitely watch um, for different opportunities yeah. um, to, like I said, either. Um, submit your own personal comments or share those with um, with IPA as well as we draft our comments. Um, trying to think any other general feedback or thoughts about today's board meeting here, Sue? Anything that you saw um, that came forward? Not that, I, that stands out to me. Okay. I, was, I had to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I did see you sneak out for a little bit. Uh, yeah. Now that's on record. <laughs> but um, I do know at least we'll probably see at our next board meeting, which I know is in early November, November 5th and 6th, um, we'll probably see the board look to vote uh, really for uh, definitive uh, language on your proposed legislation mm-hmm. for, uh, for the next legislative yeah. session. So yeah. we'll see um, where the board will stand in terms of some of the action that they plan to, to pursue legislatively. I know I think uh, IPA will be presenting our legislative priorities as well um, to the board at their November meeting. So I think our next our next podcast in early November will have a little bit more of a legislative uh, feel to it. Yeah. But uh, really appreciate uh, your, your time here today, Sue, and uh, all of your insight in terms of what the board uh, acted on today and really what, the, what this means for our frontline pharmacists and technicians out there. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining in on today's uh, Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast. I look forward to to listening or to talking with all of you again in November uh, later this year. Thanks so much.